Today is Tuesday, July 28, 2020. On this day in 1868, the 14th Amendment to the United States Constitution was ratified. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Today we're covering the ratification of the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. The 14th Amendment accomplished many things. Most importantly, it was designed to grant American citizenship to all people born in the United States, specifically the former slaves who had been denied equal protection under the law prior to the Civil War. Let's go back to the Capitol building on July 28, 1868, in Washington, D.C., as the Senate prepares to announce the ratification. In the preceding two years, the 14th Amendment had been proposed and passed by the House of Congress. The first section of the amendment read as follows. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws." The amendment was intended to unilaterally recognize the citizenship of all formerly enslaved people who had been freed three years prior, following the Civil War. Even though slavery had been abolished through the Emancipation Proclamation, many Southern states refused to recognize former slaves as equal under the law. They exacted laws on a state level that were intended to suppress and oppress their state's Black inhabitants. These restrictive laws later became known as Black Codes. The 14th Amendment was meant to override state authority and grant federal protections for the rights of black Americans. Additionally, other sections of the amendment were meant to prevent Confederate officers from holding public office and punish Southern states for denying suffrage to their male black inhabitants. Such sweeping reforms became the subject of heated debate within the Senate. While the Congress was mostly controlled by anti-slavery Republicans, representatives from the South tried all they could to prevent the amendment from passing. They delayed proceedings, made arguments against specific clauses, and expressed great distaste at the legislation, which they felt undermined states' rights. Faced with these accusations at the June 8, 1866 Senate meeting, Senator Richard Yates felt it necessary to clarify his position and speak out in defense of the amendment on the Senate floor. The governor of Illinois during the Civil War, Senator Yates had been a close personal friend of Abraham Lincoln and one of the nation's strongest voices against slavery during his long career in politics. His speech on the Senate floor explained the purpose of the amendment both clearly and beautifully. He said, quote, 
I took the ground that the former slaves in every state of the United States, being made free by this amendment, occupied precisely the same position with any other part of the body politic, that the son of a colored man born in the state of Wisconsin under the broad aegis of this amendment to the Constitution and by the promises of Abraham Lincoln made in his proclamation of emancipation, the former slave should be maintained in his freedom. Mr. President, I have therefore sent to the chair the amendment, believing as I do as a lawyer, believing in my heart that under the constitutional amendment abolishing slavery within the United States, every inhabitant of the United States is as free as I am and entitled to the same rights and privileges that I am. My fear is not that this Congress will be too radical. I am not afraid of this Congress being shipwrecked upon any proposition of radicalism, but I fear from timid and cowardly conservatism which will not risk a great people to take their destiny in their own hands and to settle this great question upon the principles of equality, justice, and liberality. That is my fear. So far as my position is concerned, it is unchanged. My convictions are rather strengthened. And if I had it in my power today, I would write it in plain words upon the face of the Constitution, plain as the stars upon the sky, not in tortuous and hard-to-be-understood propositions, but I would write in the fundamental and unchangeable law of the land that the Declaration of American Independence was a verity, that all men were created equal. Following Yates's rousing speech, the Senate saw some minor quibbling over the details of the bill. But soon after, a vote was taken on whether or not the 14th Amendment should be passed. The yeas and nays were counted, and by the end of the vote, 11 senators had voted against the 14th Amendment, and 33 had voted in favor. A few days later, the amendment passed in the House of Representatives with overwhelming support. On July 28, 1868, Congress announced the ratification of the 14th Amendment to the nation. It would go on to be one of the most influential laws the United States had ever passed. We'll explore that influence after this. Now, back to the story. On July 28, 1868, the United States Congress announced the ratification of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. With that vote, the 14th Amendment became law. The 14th Amendment was meant to prevent the Southern states from mistreating their black citizenry, and it was also intended as a direct response to the Supreme Court's 1857 Dred Scott decision, in which the courts claimed former slaves were not equal citizens under the law. The 14th Amendment greatly expanded civil and legal rights on both the federal and state level. It re-emphasized the importance of due process in the criminal justice system, and it extended equal protection under the law to all Americans, regardless of skin color. Unfortunately, while the 14th Amendment was intended to protect the rights of the citizens, it would be quite a long time before the law's intent would become a reality. 
1896, Plessy versus Ferguson held that the idea of separate but equal was constitutionally valid in spite of the explicit intent of the 14th Amendment. This ruling allowed Southern states to enact their many Jim Crow laws, enforcing racial segregation in the South. It would be at least another 25 years before the Supreme Court started viewing the 14th Amendment as an expansion and protection of rights. In 1925, the court cited the 14th Amendment in its Gitlow v. New York case, preventing states from restricting free speech rights that had been established on a federal level. Nearly 30 years later, the Supreme Court would cite the 14th Amendment once more in its famous Brown v. Board of Education case. This ruling reversed Plessy v. Ferguson and struck down the separate but equal doctrine that had segregated Southern schools for decades. In this case, the courts had finally worked to reaffirm the original intent of the 14th Amendment and worked to protect the people it had always been intended to protect. The 14th Amendment would also prove to be highly influential during the civil rights movement of the 1960s. It was cited in support of private use of birth control in 1965's Griswold v. Connecticut. Even more significantly, it was cited in 1967's Loving v. Virginia, proving that interracial marriage should be legally protected in the United States. In the following decades, it's also been cited in cases involving abortion, gun rights, presidential elections, and most recently, same-sex marriage. Due to its sweeping influence, many legal historians view the 14th Amendment as the second most important piece of American legislation of all time, second only to the original Bill of Rights itself. As a matter of law, the 14th Amendment stands as a bulwark against government tyranny and grand protection for all the civil rights Americans enjoy today. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Giles Hobseth, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 